Download the app, Bet Big, Win Bigger. And I got to tell you, I really like the sound of that. And with WinBet, it's just that easy. WinBet has what you need to win. So if you're from Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, or right here in Virginia, sign up today to receive special offers and take advantage of great promos. Don't miss out on the fun. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com. Download the app, bet big and win bigger. Let's get after it. Terms and conditions apply, must be 21 or older, and present in a state where win bet is available. Gambling problem? In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, and Virginia, call 1-800-GAMBLER. And in Michigan, 1-800-270-7117. Tennessee, y'all too, 1-800-889-9789. Welcome to the Greenlight Podcast. NFL Draft recap today from Greenlight. We've got Daniel Jeremiah and Buffalo Bills GM Brandon B. Brandon's going to talk about him moving up to get Dalton Kincaid, a move that uh, here at Greenlight in the live stream we were all very surprised about. Um, and so you would love to hear the story behind it, him trading with uh, another couple GMs, his draft process, also falling in love with Josh Allen, and his climb up the NFL front office ladder coming from Carolina now in Buffalo. And with Daniel Jeremiah as the preeminent NFL draft expert, he was on NFL Network all week. You saw him getting maybe peed on by a puppy. But he's going to go through his favorite picks, his best fits, surprise sleepers, some guys he thinks uh, who might be contention for the offensive rookie of the year, defensive rookie of the year. It's a full draft recap from those two fellas. We've also got a wonderful open with Chris and Macon. And Chris is going to tell us all about his wonderful trip to California for the Hollywood Bowl for Willie Nelson's 90th birthday. He had a time. You'll hear about it. We'll also talk a little NFL win totals. And at the very end of the show, please stick around. It's our voicemails. You guys delivered everyone. Thank you very much for sending in some after the NFL draft. You were heard. We very much appreciate it. For you folks who want to leave a message, it's 202-991-0723. Thank you very much. Hey, enjoy yourself. Somebody on set just asked this question. I just wanted to wanted to put it out there. <laughs> um, if you're a conjoined twin mm-hmm. and you uh, and you get off, do both twins feel it? I was because curious. we saw an article. You, okay, so you, we saw an article. It was in the New York Post that I think I saw the same article. Mm-hmm. There are these conjoined twin gals, and they have one boyfriend. Well, one but of only one of them has boyfriend. the boyfriend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Does that does that get complicated? Does the other person feel good when they're doing it? I I don't know. I'm curious. That's a really good question, Matt. Lupita and uh, Carmen Andre are their names. Dude, imagine wanting to hang out, just sit around the house, and you got to go like on a date. I would night. be a terrible conjoined twin. <laughs> God, you would be the worst conjoined twin of all time. Can you imagine? 
No, I really can't. Oh, god damn. So they share a pelvis, a reproductive system, a liver, and a bloodstream. There you go. I got their answer. If one get does drugs, the other one's doing drugs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I don't know if you like literally feel pleasure if both people feel it the same way. Well, yeah, you do. You guys are both like, you got a trip, buddy. Well, it's happening. The action's happening in the same place, but I think maybe Kingston's saying... Like, each one of them controls one leg. Do they? Yeah. Really? Yeah. They have to learn how to walk together. Yeah, Carmen's on the right one. Damn. She's the right leg. We need to educate us, guys. Educate us. Do we have any conjoined twins listening to the pod? Do do both of you like the pod? Does one of you like the pod? Carmen... That's got to complicate things. That would suck if only one of you liked it. Yeah, somebody's like, I hate, you know, one of y'all likes me, one of y'all likes Macon. What is Carmen's twin's name? Uh, Lupita. Because it's the same experience, and Carmen could be like, oh, that was great, and Lupita could be like, that sucked. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Which is what you're saying. Well, yeah, initially the question was, I think, about a male getting the rocks off. Mm -hmm. You know, do both parties... It's all one party. Mm-hmm. It's complicated. It's it is. A complicated it is. way to start the show. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we're going to tackle a lot of hard-hitting questions today. Okay, so real quick, a little housekeeping. We have a talent show coming up of sorts. Listen, we're trying to expand the empire here. Um, you know, uh, we need more thinkers. We need more content creators. We need more talented people. The Greenlight Talent Search, Friday, May 12th. 1 p.m. to 5 p.m. Holy shit, guys. Is there that much talent in Charlottesville? Jesus Christ. Uh, Why is my picture on the thing? Yeah, you're not going to be there. (laughs) Star Hill, downtown. Uh, Join us for a shot at joining the Greenlight Podcast. I'll I'll make this. A shot. Like, here's how people do. They're going to show up and be like, I was told if I came here, you guys would get me, like, a a job and benefits. Like, nah. You got to go up there. We're giving people jobs? Possibly. I thought this was... likely. The, the the thing on the whiteboard says talent show. I thought we were going to see like somebody do a do a juggle. There might be a diamond in the rough out there mm-hmm. that we want to bring into the into the uh, the universe here. Yeah, but if you got a talent, you got like a sports take or joke. Yeah, it's not like hey, I'd, I'd sword swallow. Like mm-hmm. yeah, like we'll we'll put you on the internet if you do that. But the, the sword swallowing is not going to get you a job. You have to be talented in the sense of. The art of podcasting and content creation. Is this like a job fair? We're going to be at a, a table? Bayless. Yeah, kind of. And they're going to come up. It's going to be like an interview. Yeah. Okay. We're going to make them, you know, answer questions. Cat or a dog. Mm-hmm. You know, which one of you? Consider it like a, a, a podcast combine. And I'm Brandon Bean. Mm-hmm. Okay. Who's going to be on the show today? I'm Joe Shane. Joe Shane. Okay. So anyways, that's coming up. Put that on your calendar if you're a Charlottesville person. Where's Star Hill downtown? It's downtown. Dairy Market. Dairy Market. I would yeah. not call that downtown. That's the language they use to refer to it. Got it. Okay. I'm so, uh, you have a hello today? I do. All right. LaGrange, Texas. Why? Hello! Why not? You're really, you're stepping on the hellos a little Why? bit. I know it's been a while. Why? Uh, you asked me if I had a hello. Yeah. It's the first thing that popped into my mind. Okay. LaGrange, of course, is a city in... Uh, Fayette? Do we have to say Fayette there? That's a tough one because you normally read that and you think Lafayette. Mm-hmm. We'll say Fayette County. It uh, It's the center of the Texas German belt. Didn't know that was a real thing. Yeah. Estimated population of uh, 4632 in 2018. 
Okay, LaGrange, I've heard of it. Uh, I'll go layup line, um, the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald by Gordon Lightfoot because um, that Canadian legend passed away yesterday. I know Jim Harbaugh's super bum. That's his song, right? Doesn't he listen to wreck of Edmund Fitzgerald before games or yeah. something? It's kind of a banger. That's how I was introduced to Gordon Lightfoot by Jim Harbaugh. Died at the age of 84. Yep. On May Day, 2023. Yep. Uh, May Day, May Day. The Edmund Fitzgerald's crashing. That was good. <laughs> I mean, yeah. So, uh, hey, quick, quick Hollow Man, Bevel Conway. We've got a couple... Uh, mentions here to start the show. Bevel Conway and Hathaway. Yes. Did you see her last night at the Met Gala? Mm-mm. She looks great. I, uh, Not that it's a revelation, but she looked great. I just wanted to shout out Anne Hathaway. Hollow Man uh, is going to be ABC for, uh, for running uh, Twin Towers Cityscape Saw over that. the NBA playoffs. Ooh. Did you see that? That's uh, quick math. Twenty-three-year-old footage. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah. How does that happen? I have no idea. What would be the worst cityscapes to put behind, um, like coming out of the commercial? Lagrange. Yeah. Wow. I, I'm surprised it wasn't grainy. It was kind of grainy. Why are they using twenty-plus-year-old footage? I don't know. If I was them, I would have been like, "Yeah, it's a big part of the history of this uh, this this city." Mm-hmm. You know, we just we threw it up there, but instead, I guess they just fucked it up like completely. Yeah, trying to harken back to the '90s rivalry, but yeah, didn't use their heads. Yeah, they did not use their heads. So uh, we got a bevel and a, a hollow man. We've got Brandon Bean today. We have Daniel Jeremiah. Stick around for that. Um, we'll be doing most of the talking right here, and then we'll get out of the way and let the guests do the talking in a couple minutes. Um, I am back from from LA. I was in LA for. Like, it felt like 12 hours. I was there for like less than 48 hours. Me, Tom, Bad Back, Backy. Mm-hmm. I pulled off the unthinkable. Uh, this Willie Nelson 90th birthday party, it's kind of a festival. It's like eight hours of music over two nights at the Hollywood Bowl. Never been there. Obviously a huge Willie fan, so this is a thing that like I would never recover from the FOMO. And I put it on my, my lovely wife's calendar a couple months ago now. Remember, she's pregnant. She's with child. And so it's hard to pull something like this off. And I got, I just figured it wasn't going to happen. Um, and I, I said, you know what? I'm not going to do it. Instead, I'm going to go to Myrtle Beach with my buddies. It's a lot closer. It doesn't sound as cool. Maybe, you know, that'll curb the FOMO on her end. Uh, well, it was raining in Myrtle Beach this past oh, weekend. dear. And I was not sorry to reintroduce uh, this idea. Uh, and Meg was really cool about it. So I want to give her the MVP for allowing me to go to the Hollywood Bowl this weekend, and she's carrying around a front pack, um, and her husband's uh, her husband's a few thousand miles away watching Willie N- Nelson and and uh, you know and Chris Stapleton and Sturgill, Sturgill Simpson, Simpson and Chris Christopherson. Chris Christopherson was out there, and let me tell you, when I saw Chris Christopherson, 
Uh, for people that don't know Chris Christopherson, he's one of the best singer-songwriters of all time, legitimately, and was one-fourth of the Highwaymen, was an iconic outlaw country group that I was really into, and Chris is one of the most interesting people, if you read about him, like all the things he did in his life, um, you know, he was, um, I think he was in the army, he, he, he used to fly helicopters, um, you know, uh, he was a football player, he was a jock, you know, then he went to Nashville, he was like a janitor or something, and he was just kind of working at these record company, or these recording studios, and just hanging around mopping the floor, and got his start running into somebody uh, in one of these- uh, June these, Carter. Yeah, Ju June Carter. And asked her to give uh, Johnny Cash a uh, tape of his, and she did. And the rest is is history. So like, and his career path wasn't well liked by his family. Either. Yeah, right. He, yeah, he wasn't mm. as accepted. His penmanship. Another thing about him is like he's like highly educated. I forget which Ivy League school he went to, or maybe it was Oxford. Oxford, yeah. He was Oxford, and like his parents were academics and all that stuff. So they were like, oh, "What's all this? You know, drugs and country music." But my man's how old now? I mean, 86. 86 years old. I saw him probably 10 years ago in Charlottesville, and I saw him at a, a small theater here, and it was just him, a Persian rug, a microphone, and a guitar. And I got to tell you, it was like there wasn't a dry eye in the house because it was obvious that this guy's not going to tour a lot longer. Um, and, you know, like his shows are kind of, you know, his songs are introspective. They're... They're emotional at times, and uh, I'll never forget that show because I thought, I'm not going to see Chris, Chris Christopherson again. This guy's lived hard. He's in his late 70s or whatever it was at the time. And I guess the background was that Roseanne Cash was there, Johnny Cash's daughter, and uh, they were going to do a song together, and they decided the day before that Chris was going to come out. So, like, you know, Chris showed up on stage. People went nuts. There were so many of those characters from back in the day out there. Um, Tom Jones, Neil Young, uh, Neil Young and Stephen Stills with the passing of David Crosby. You know, I thought it was like super cool to see them together. I know they haven't always got along, have they? And so like it was cool to see Neil and um, Stephen Stills together. Uh, they did for what it's worth and it was oh. like fucking haunting. It was awesome. So jealous. Um, yeah, it was awesome. Keith Richards showed up. As a surprise, so night two, <laughs> it was cool. Like we went in the backstage area. They had all these cupcakes that were decorated to look like the artists mm -hmm. that were playing. Nice. So you had anything from a Leon Bridges to like Lyle Lovett uh, cupcake. And the second night, there was there was supposedly like as you were looking at the board, they were like, "There's going to be a cupcake here later that nobody knows about, and it's <laughs> going to be a big deal." And lo and behold, it was Keith Richards. Damn. I forget who the surprise was the first night. Um, Nora Jones did piano. Um, she was awesome. She mm -hmm. sang. Uh, you know, Cheryl Crow was there. Uh, Margot Price. This gal, Lily Miola, did a song with um, Willie Nelson the second night. She was tremendous, dude. She was insane. Um, and one of the biggest things I noticed about this whole thing was like, not only obviously the reverence that people have for Willie Nelson, because all these people from all these walks of life, Snoop came out. Like none of these people got paid. Roll me up and smoke me. Roll me up and smoke me. Um, you know there was uh, Dwight Yoakam. There was just all these people 
from all different walks of life. A lot of them country music stars, but Beck was there. Beck did Blue Eyes, Crying in the Rain, uh, Hands on the Wheel, which is one of my favorite songs, and told stories about like the, one of the highlights of his music career was you know, doing a music video and, and calling Willie to see if he would sprinkle some gold dust on him during the video <laughs> and getting the yes and being like, this is the greatest thing that ever happened to me. Um, you know, Gary Clark Jr. played like there was everybody loves Willie Nelson, but it is really hard to cover a Willie Nelson song. Like the notes that he seems to like effortlessly like drift in and out of and, and the, 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 the redirection that he's able to do. You can see it, you can hear it when somebody tries to sing his song, like it's a challenge. And you, and another challenge was like, these are 40 musicians that just got together to do this, to do this deal. I mean, like they haven't been practicing these duets like that, I figure, and everything about it was perfect. It was like a bunch of the world's best musicians of all ages coming together and just trying to put on this great show uh, for Willie. It's hard to sing his songs, and I thought a couple guys that did a great job were Tyler Childers did Time of the Preacher. That was perfect. Oh, wow. Um, Sturgill Simpson's done Had to Be Crazy, but Had to Be Crazy, he's done on his album before, mm -hmm. and I know it was great. Uh, and then and then Chris Stapleton doing um, You Were Always On My Mind, Last Thing I Needed, he's done Last Thing I Needed before. Nobody sings like uh, Willie, but it, it was fun seeing people put their touches on his work. Um, was it cool to see Willie's kids, uh, Lucas and, and Micah? Yeah, kind of Mi sing, Micah did great. Yeah, Micah did great. He's part of How Particle old are they? Kid. 60? I mean, no, they got to be in their 30s. <laughs> they, yeah. I mean, yeah, like uh, Lucas is actually a little bit younger than me. Um, I think Micah might even be younger than him, but like Lucas did Angel Flying Too Close to the Ground, and it sounded, I mean, he sounds a lot like his dad. And, you know, the way genetics work in sports or whatever, where you, people are like, you look like your dad out there, like, he sounded like his dad. Yeah, and I know that's not what he tries to do. I mean, he's forged his own path, but it was super cool to see him sing, sing a song that iconic, be able to hit the notes that Willie hits, and then at the end of it, he's like, yeah, happy birthday, Dad, like yeah. in front of 18,000 people. Um, Billy Strings' read was tremendous. I uh, saw him smoking probably a joint this long yeah. with Margot Price and Woody Harrelson. Yeah, Woody Harrelson show. was... Cowboy's was, arms were outstretched there for the podcast yeah, listener. Yeah. yeah, his arms were uh -huh. way out, like his yeah. big joint. <laughs> I, big thought, joint. I thought Woody didn't smoke anymore. Well, Woody? Well, no, he, he smokes. He smokes. <laughs> he was talking about he's got a cannabis company, the whole thing. Okay. Um, Dave Matthews. You know, I felt like a nervous dad because, like, he's Charlottesville's own. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's such a challenge to get up there, as I, as I talked about, and, like, do Willie's stuff. Uh, and he's not a country artist. So like, you know, there is this kind of unspoken, like, hey, we're country guys, you're not like you, you it didn't come across, but I, I could I could sense the nerves like of people trying to do his songs. And he did It's Funny How Time Slips Away and he was one of the best people. Nice. I mean, his voice uh you know, it just stood out. Um I thought Dave was awesome, Rodney Kroll, um Jamie Johnson who's gonna be at our golf tournament, was fucking fantastic, dude. He did Georgia and the whole place went quiet. And his voice, like, another thing about the Hollywood Bowl, like all the debauchery going on out there, all the, the fun, the drugs, whatever, I'd never been there. And where you sit, 
there's this big illuminated cross up on the hill like there's like a church mm-hmm. on the, the the next hill over and it's just kind of sitting there guilt tripping you <laughs> and uh you know I, I just have this image burnt into my brain of jamie johnson singing georgia just looking like a hillbilly buddha up there fucking just belting like the voice of i mean he was amazing and seeing that cross up on the hill it's like i'll never forget that visual of being there for the first time and getting to take that whole thing and you watch the sun go down it gets dark um and it gets cold too you gotta sit in these seats yeah yeah you sit in the seats hollywood's cold okay like don't let anybody tell you it's not i wore shorts the first night and had like a fucking uh, a panic attack it got so cold of course we were on mushrooms and i was on mushrooms i'm not gonna speak for the other guys and um having a great time and all of a sudden i start getting the shakes a little bit so i'm like i'm gonna go for a walk uh to try to go get a sweatshirt or some merch or like a fucking i already had a sweatshirt but i wanted another one Mm -hmm. sweatshirt for your for your legs for my legs and i walk down the aisle to go out and i'm shaking a little bit yeah i don't know if you guys get cold i run cold at this age like i don't know if it's my weight now or whatever but i start walking out and um I walk by Johnny Knoxville, like mm. just in the hallway. <laughs> and I don't know what it was about Johnny Knoxville, but he just, I mean, just seeing him, it might've been the social anxiety of it all. Like there's so many people here. I mean, it's a lot of people. And I, I walked by him and I just, I went into a, I, I started having a panic attack. <laughs> and I don't know what it was about Johnny Knoxville. But I, I, I walk out, I'm just aimless now, and I realize I can't make it to the fucking, the tent, the line's long for yep. the, the merch, and I'm like, fuck, I gotta find somewhere warm. So I descend into this hallway down in the bowels of the Hollywood Bowl, and there's this Hispanic gentleman in a, in a yellow jacket, mm-hmm. you know, obviously. And we're just in this dark hallway, and he's looking at me, and he knows exactly what I need, and he's like, can I show you where the bathroom is? Can I take you up there? And so he walks me into the bathroom, and when I tell you I hunkered down in, in one of the stalls for about 20 minutes, and by the way, the Hollywood Bowl bathrooms are impeccable. Um, As the name would suggest. Yeah, yeah, yeah dude, impeccable. Like, like they're like, you, when you talked about Notre Dame going to that stadium, mm-hmm, the it's like the Hollywood Bowls yeah. concourse and the bathrooms are pristine. Shook that off, went and got a sweatshirt, came back out, had a good time, but it's cold at the Hollywood Bowl. That event staff is probably prepped like, hey, most of these people do not know who they are. Yep. I I wasn't quite there, but it was, it was the social anxiety of it. You know, I don't get like, since the pandemic, it's hard for me sometimes to go out in a big crowd, like depending on the situation. Mix a little cold air in there, little Johnny Knoxville, you got yourself a panic attack. Um, and then, uh, and then I was struggling with the bathroom sensor, like to get the napkins. And I was like, am I having, I turned to a guy and I was like, is it, am I high or is this, am I struggling with this? Is this difficult? And he's like a little high. (laughs) So I, you know, uh, I had a hard time, but, but it was, it was awesome, man. And by the way, Warren Haynes from the Allman brothers out there and he's older, right? Yeah, but he sounded so good, like period. And for his age, it was like even it was, it was even more impressive. Here's my biggest gripe with Cali: there's no Newport cigarettes <laughs> yep. or flavored dip. You know, like they totally cut that shit out. So you know, like the first night, you know, coming off that bachelor party, where I was like, man, it was good to have a pack of Newports 
for times like when when you're huddled in the bathroom at the Hollywood Bowl and you got the shakes. Yeah. Uh, so I grabbed this pack of Newports that I bought earlier in the day and I went to light one up and I damn near coughed up a lung. I was like, this is bullshit. Uh, so come to find out they don't sell Newports. I wanted to, I wanted to have a dip to celebrate being mm-hmm. out there. Uh, couldn't find a, a wintergreen tin of Kodiak anywhere. California. I mean, you do some things right, but I don't understand. Like you got the, the weeds legal, but the Newports, the menthols are not legal. Seems a little strange. Well, yeah, I get it. Cigarettes kill, but I mean, so do the ones that taste like um, like an ashtray. So I, I like, yeah, that, that was uh, that was my big my big LA rundown there. What's the favorite concert of your life? Ooh, golly, dude, that's a tough one. Chris Christopherson up there for me again. It was cool to see Willie. I've seen him a couple times. I saw him last year. And it was 110 degrees out under that pavilion in Charlottesville, and like literally, the sun had gone down, and it was it was debilitatingly hot. And watching Willie get up there for 90 minutes and play, just the the act of doing it at 89 years old uh, was incredible. I've been to a few great My Morning Jacket shows that they all run together. Um, I've seen so many good shows at Bonnaroo, like you know Jack White was amazing. I've seen more concerts than I remember, so it's hard for me to answer that question. What's Here's your mix? Uh, oh, I wasn't prepared for the question. <laughs> yeah. Kenny Chesney. Kenny Chesney in Pittsburgh with yeah. my friend Chris. Yeah, that was great. So of the um, of the people you saw, Chris, at the Hollywood Bowl, yeah. if you had to pick two, one opener and one main act that you could see in their primes, it could be you know a prime Sturgill Simpson and a prime Willie mm. Nelson, who would it be? It would be Willie in his prime like down in texas uh maybe like armadillo world and i suppose opener would be stapleton for chris chris is gonna say Stapleton. no because i've seen him in his prime you know the whole the whole prime part of the question complicates things keith richards Oh, Bob Weir was there. Oh, God. So, yeah, it'd be great to see Bob Weir. And we just had Kingston's nut of the week over there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't forget anybody. I mean, uh, there were some really good acts there. Uh, Charlie Crockett, George Strait. George Strait. Jack Johnson was there. Um, I'll answer for you, Cowboy. What you got? I'll uh, I'll I'll have Dave Matthews. Opening for George Strait. There you go. Damn, Kenny Chesney got the bump. Oh no, from 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 yeah the, from yeah. The George Strait would have been yeah. great in his prime, yeah. and he still sounded great. Yeah. Um, okay, so that's L.A. I'm not working on a lot of sleep. Uh, we'll didn't talk even, football. Didn't now. Didn't even know you were there. It was wild. Sent yeah, a picture. No, no. I was like, wow. Right. Yeah, Owen Wilson. No. Yeah. Owen Wilson was there. Yeah. Owen you know, Wilson was there. Yeah. He was emceeing the thing. Yeah. Yeah. Were we talking the other way? You, who didn't know who Owen Wilson was? No, he just didn't believe that he looked like him. Which, oh, I, right, yeah, I don't. Right, somebody yeah. said that he reminded him of Owen Wilson. The last one was I was in the the little VIP tent afterwards, and I saw I was standing next to Eric Andre. Is he the the funny guy? Right. <laughs> he for like thirty minutes. I mean, like didn't say anything to him, but he was, seemed cool. He was there. Yeah, yeah. And then. Uh, Ed Helms was like 10 feet away from me for like 20 minutes <laughs> and the thing about like I don't like walking up to people but I thought about walking up to Ed Helms because we're part of a fraternity Virginia me and him did the the uh, commencement at, at UVA mm-hmm. I think he was the year after me maybe and I wanted to be like uh, 
did you enjoy studying my tape? You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Because that's what I was doing. I was looking at who did the speech the year before and the year before that. I don't know if it would have been good had I walked up to him, but he looked really cool and approachable. Yeah, VIP, very intoxicated persons. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I was good by then. Okay. It was night two. I was ready to get back. Okay. So um, did get to see Ryan, took the boys down to Manhattan Beach, and Ryan took us out to Shellbacks there, and we had a great time. Uh, so it was good to see Ryan. You guys were biking on the beach. I saw. We were biking on the beach. Yeah, the whole thing. Wow. So when did you get home? Uh, I got home yesterday at five o'clock. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. So NFL, dude, like the whole draft happened. We're going to talk a lot about that with uh, a little bit about that with Brandon Bean, a lot about it with Daniel Jeremiah. Um, I mean, uh, I'm still catching up because obviously I was uh, out of out of the office. We had a great live weekend. stream though. Yeah. Uh, of round one and in round in. two. Yeah. Thank you for those who tuned in. Um, the biggest story for me is Howie Roseman drafting 18 Georgia players. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we had kicked around doing a segment for a little bit here uh, because of Kendall Roy uh, and the actor, what's his name? The Jeremy Strong. Jeremy Strong doing an interview after one of the episodes and saying that, spoiler, 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 Logan Roy's death made, it made sense. sense dramaturgically, which is a word that we took like 10 days to figure out what it meant. Mm-hmm. It means it's set up perfectly by the plot beforehand. Right. It or just makes the, sense. The title of the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Succession. Mm-hmm. This makes sense dramaturgically. We put on dog masks and Howie Roseman can't get enough. Mm-hmm. And now the whole team's a bunch of dogs. Uh, Ringo, mm-hmm. Jalen Carter, Nolan Smith, traded for Swift. I mean, they, they, they already have Jordan Davis, they have N'Kobe Dean. Um, I got an admin for you. Okay. 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 All right. So you got Jeffrey Lurie. He's on his yacht. There's a plate of fruit. Mm-hmm. Him and Howie Roseman just eating fruit on the yacht. Different just, kinds of fruit. Yeah, shooting the shit. Like maybe a papaya. Like Jeffrey's peeling a banana. Yeah. Howie's eating grapes. Like bananas this. on like the, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Well, what's wrong with banana on the? I, yacht? I would figure like 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 pineapple. Okay. Like some melons. Yeah. Sure. So Lurie's sitting there and he says, uh, you think Georgia could beat an NFL team? You know how people ask that? Mm -hmm. I don't think so, Howie. Mm -hmm. Howie takes a big bite of cantaloupe. The juice drips down. Rolling down his chin. Uh And he's like, he's like, he just pauses and then hard cut NFL draft 2023. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh And then hard cut. Fucking Dan Snyder rolls by on his yacht uh-huh. with like six police boats in tow. <laughs> and he's like, I don't think they could beat him. <laughs> and then the commercial's over. That's good. Yeah, it's a good commercial. Yeah. Uh, so I just wanted to get a chance to do some ad men before we got into, uh, into Brandon Bean. Yeah, there's an office meme rolling around the internet. It's the Eagles logo and the Georgia logo. Mm-hmm. Tell me the difference between the, mm-hmm. these two pictures. Mm-hmm. You can't. They're exactly it's the same. It's great. And honestly... It's a copycat league. If this works, we're going to be seeing teams drafting a bunch of teammates from college. So this, I've never seen anything like this. I've never seen anything like this. It's obviously intentional. It's not a coincidence. And I'm excited to see all these dogs play up in Philly. Darnell Washington was sitting there for them at one point. He yeah, it's did. crazy. He could have. He could have gone even a harder. A lot of teams in the paint. might regret that. So 
Um, anyways, here's Brandon Bean, and then um, we'll have a, an ad, and then we'll go straight into Daniel Jeremiah. So it's a little doubleheader here for y'all. Plenty of football. Hold on. Cash App, the easy way to send, spend, save, and invest with friends. Cash App helps you connect effortlessly with your finances and with your people, and that's money. I love going on a float with my buddies, and we all share our cash tags and split the bill. That is what friends are for. Cash App provides us with an easy way to send and spend money, save and invest in stock and Bitcoin. Cash App, however, does not provide a dry pair of pants. You want to remember that when you get off the river. Try the number one finance app in the App Store. Whether sending, spending, saving, investing, splitting, tipping, donating, or gifting, that's money, and that's Cash App. Download Cash App from the App Store or Google Play Store today to create your own cash tag. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. It's so easy to get caught up in what everybody else needs from you and not to be able to take care of you. We can get burned out and stressed out if we don't get time to ourselves. Therapy can give you all the tools to find more balance in your life so you can keep supporting others without leaving yourself behind. You know, I, I kind of live a life like that. Everybody's pulling at me. There's a lot to do. I, you know, like I don't get a lot of time to myself. I, I go to therapy. I talk to somebody and, uh, and it really does feel like almost like exercise when you get done. You're like, ah, oh, it feels better. I'm, I'm much happier now. Um, and I, I'm armed with some strategies to, to be better. And so, uh, it's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries and empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. It's great to be able to talk through life uh, and its stresses, issues, and joys. Uh, if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. For more balance with BetterHelp, visit BetterHelp.com slash Greenlight today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Greenlight. All right, this is a treat today. We have enjoyed having Buffalo Bills players on the pod. We've had some really great personalities pop on. Easy team to like. And part of that's because of the culture uh, that uh, Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean have built in Buffalo. And uh, here he is, the GM, the architect of the whole thing, Brandon Bean. Thanks for joining us. Appreciate you guys having me on, man. Uh, Chris, always appreciate your career, man. You had a heck of a heck of a college and then a uh, uh, super pro. What were you, number two, number three? No, number two. Yeah. yeah, number two. Okay, I knew. It was a down year in that draft, though. <laughs> no, yeah, don't, you know. don't start saying that. Don't start. I don't care what year. The National Football League, you're a top yeah. five pick. Uh, yeah. Enough's been said, man. That's, a, that's an awesome story. Yeah. Well, I appreciate it, man. Um, yeah, the, the thing I was just uh, – we were downloading offline here. Uh, Brandon got to Carolina in 1998. I was a – I was a huge Panthers fan. Like I went down to my dad took me down to do an interview. He was interviewing Kevin Green. Yep. And I fell in love with the whole thing. And then I got to go down and watch y'all play the Eagles in the NFC championship. Yeah. Um and you know, like the whole D line, Buckner, Rucker, Peppers. You know, Kevin Peppers. Yeah. I mean, it was just I fell in love with that team. So it's so cool 
to to talk to somebody that was a big part of that. Tell me about Carolina and your start. Yeah, you know, um, I started as an intern, 1998, right out of college. Um, it's funny, I started as a PR intern for a month. I went to training camp. And I was yeah. just trying to get in. I didn't, I didn't know anybody in the business. I knew no one, and and so uh, I had actually tried the year before. I uh, got denied, but um, I at least stayed in touch. Back then, you you weren't emailing your resumes; you were faxing them. So I kept having to go to this. Nice. Uh, I kept having to go to this Kinko's to fax yeah. my resume because uh, the guy I was trying to get a job with told me twice he didn't get it. And so I finally took I didn't have a cell phone. And I, I borrowed like the guy's phone at Kinko's. I said, I'm going to call this guy's office. I'm tired of coming. The guy who gets tired of seeing me in Kinko's trying to fax his damn resume. Yeah. But uh, anyway, finally got in. Uh, I did that for a month. And then. Uh, I got lucky. I, I kind of told him at the end of that deal, uh, the end, you know, training camp back then, if you guys remember, was like six weeks. And so it was hard. <laughs> uh, we didn't break camp until right before the fourth preseason game. And so yeah. it was so I went home. I was, I'm home for like a week or two. But I told him, I said, hey, I would love to work in, in the, on the football side. Like that's yeah. my, that's my passion. And um, a guy that was going to be an intern for the for the whole season, he left. I don't know the whole story. So they. They called me back, moved me from PR over to football ops. That was um, Dom Capers' last season as the head coach. And um, so I was there. Unfortunately, we went 4-12. and 12, uh, But made a good enough impression, regime change, and they hired me full-time after that season. So kind of just started working my way up from there. The Kinko's guy was as happy for you as anybody. Yeah, he was tired of seeing me, man. He was like, <laughs> dude, are you an idiot? Like, what's the deal here? I was like, I swear this is the, the fax number this guy's giving me. That's so funny. Put on your PR hat for a second. Who on the bills are you, are you, you keep you up at night? Like, uh, I'm nervous when this guy gets in front of a microphone or when he leaves the building. Who, who's, who's your guy on the bills that you would have took care of? As a PR guy. Oh, gosh. Um, we don't, it's funny, Chris, we don't have anybody that's, Crazy Shaq Lawson, I would say early when I got here, uh, yeah. you know, you love Shaq like Shaq is, uh, he wears his emotions on his sleeve, but he's wide open. Uh, I, I got it. You, you always know when Shaq's coming around the corner, you hear him and, uh, <laughs> he, uh he's, a, he's a great shit talker on the field, but, yeah. um, he's actually matured. Uh, he left, came back. And so he would probably be the guy when I definitely, when I first got here, I was like, what, what's this guy going to say? But, uh, he's he's been a great story for him. He's a good tone setter. You can tell like uh he he adds a an important personality piece. He's a dog. Piece yeah, he's a he, he, yeah, he's a dog. Exactly. He's uh he's yeah. he's the first one uh, if there's a a fisticuffs or something going on, he's going to be the first one over there to let you know you know we're not backing down. Do you so speaking of shit talking, we came to play y'all in 2013 and y'all were getting after Robert Quinn and then I got mixed up in some stuff yeah. and got ejected down there. I remember that. There. It's over on your sideline, wasn't it? <laughs> yes. Yeah, I forgot about Somebody that. Somebody hit me with a damn beer bottle or something on the way out. <laughs> Here I am, this childhood Panthers fan. I'm like, I, I finally get to play at this stadium where I've watched all these games and they threw me out. Uh, yeah, so that's our little history there. Um, but yeah, no, like... Um, with with Carolina, I thought it was interesting because there's two positions. Well, obviously, you have a mutant for a quarterback um, who's just otherworldly and's got this amazing skill set. Yeah. Uh, and then at linebacker, you guys have really um, valued that position, maybe more than other teams. And I wonder how much of the Carolina experience 
plays into that because you were there when they drafted Cam. Yeah. And you were there with Keekley. Yeah. Um, and and I think Shaq Lawson as well. So right. Shaq uh, Thompson. Not Shaq. Shaq Th- Thompson. Yeah. Thomas Davis. Uh, uh, Shaq yeah. Thompson. All those guys. PD. Yeah. yeah. So how much does Carolina and what you learned there, what you saw there, kind of translate to how you do things in Buffalo? Yeah, it definitely does. I mean, uh, start with Cam on that side of the ball. Just uh, you know, you, it's a quarterback league and and. You know, you could definitely see when when we drafted Cam, there there wasn't, you know, he was a different breed. It was still pocket passers only, mm-hmm. and but this guy was like freak show, and you just you saw all the elements that he brought to the game, and and even as a young guy when he's learning the game, when things broke down, you know, the old days pocket passer he's going to throw it away or maybe you get a sack or whatever. Cam's going to extend the play and just found a way to keep drives going even as he was kind of growing into, into the process. And I think with Josh, same thing, uh, loved his athletic traits, loved who he was. And like, all right, these young quarterbacks, they have to play early. you got to count on them. It's going to take them a little bit to understand all the different disguises that defenses are throwing out on these deep, these D coordinators are really good in this league. And, and so a guy that's athletic and, and the size, it was just, um, it made a lot of sense with Josh. And then, yeah, the other side, Luke Keekley, he's a, he's a unicorn as you got, I mean, this guy is, uh, if he had if he had been able to keep playing, I mean, he, he still should be a Hall of Famer, no doubt. Like yeah. he's um, he's the best middle linebacker I've ever seen in person. I know there's been some really good ones, but that I've been around like that, just from a smarts, tough. I mean, some guys are instinctive; they don't have to work that hard. It comes easy, as you know, Chris. Some guys are super smart, but maybe when the picture changes, they don't adjust as well. It's just that instinctual feel. This guy. Yeah is a 12 out of 10 on, on, on smarts, intelligence, FBI, and, you know, instincts. And so, yeah. um, you know, when, when we got here, we did draft Josh and then we drafted Tremaine and, and unfortunately the business gets in the way. Um, Tremaine goes and signs a $18 million a year deal in Chicago. Happy for him, you know, sad for us, but, um, it is a position that it's that quarterback of the defense, you know, worked with McDermott in Carolina, brought him here. It's a it's a valuable piece, you know, to what we're doing. But we're in transition there on you know on the defensive side with with the middle linebacker spot. But we got some young young guys in there, and kind of excited to see who kind of rises to the top when when we get to training camp. I know you drafted a, a backer, and uh, you obviously uh, Tremaine's on his way. I think he's in Chicago. Chicago, right? yeah, um, yeah. So I. It, is it hard to walk that tightrope of that 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 position is changing so much uh, from a size standpoint, from a from a standpoint of what you're looking for in that in that player? I mean, I play with Dante Hightower, and there's not a lot of Dante Hightowers left. No. Uh, I love watching Matt Milano, but like, what's your who's your perfect kind of linebacker um, build out look like, and and what is it about that position physically that you actually value? Yeah, I mean. As we, as every, you know, the game is trending more and more, it's, it's pass, you know, pass first teams are, teams are passing on downs that they never pass, you know, more, more than ever. And so uh, it's a matchup game. And, and when you're going to play, you know, the, the Chiefs, the Bengals, these teams, they're going to get you in situations. You got great play callers, great play design. They're going to get you in tough matchup situations. And so, um, yes, they got to be stout. You want them stout enough against the run. You do. You don't want them to be. Uh, you, but you don't see that 
hammer, that Ray Lewis as much anymore, that, you know, that just firm, knock your ass in the dirt middle linebacker because a guy with, you know, with all that lead generally is going to be a matchup problem in the pass game. So you're trying to find it. It's that hybrid thing. And, and Milano on a will linebacker, I mean, he, what a, what a job he's turned into from, you know, this, this kid comes from BC. He was playing kind of a hybrid role there, uh, safety slash linebacker. And, you know, we converted him here, it took him a little time, but um, he's, you know, he can match up with backs and tight ends um, in his sleep. And so that's yeah. why we've, we've got him. And now we're trying to find that piece. Tremaine, really, really good player. Um, but there were some matchup issues. It's just hard. It's hard to find a big guy. that place. He's 6'5". So, yeah, I met him. I was looking up at him. Yeah, you you put uh, yeah. you put a little slot on him. It's not fair to him. He's just yeah. he's just going to be a little more gangly. So, um, yeah. finding the right player that's firm enough against the run can get off blocks, block protection, all that stuff, and still um, match up when these when these heavy pass teams you know are going to run some some really good you know receivers in or tight ends in on them. So Josh Allen, we talked about that. I mean, a little bit with with Cam and your experience there, and and uh, you know, a non-standard body type for a quarterback. Um, it, you know, like he improved. He's one of the, the 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 test cases for hey, when you want to draft a raw prospect, now everybody's look look what happened with Josh Allen. Yeah. Uh, how though? You know, because I hear a lot like, and I watched it happen, uh, but I don't know what what the little things were that he improved to put the ball on target, to, to have the right clock, to go through his progressions, that's that's above my pay grade. What what did he do well uh, differently over those couple years to get where he is now? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I think a lot, there were some simple things, just his his base, um, you know, his arm angle, like where, where he was, de- you know, where he was delivering the ball from, just uh, being able to throw from, from different platforms and still be accurate. I mean, John, when we worked him out, like you go out there, it's on air. There's nobody like he was, he was very accurate in our private workout with him. And he it was yeah. not a, you know, nowadays you go to these pro days and I'm sure his pro day was this way. I didn't even go to Josh's pro day because we wanted to work him out private. We gave him a 42 pl- uh, passing script. We gave every quarterback we did, um, but they didn't get it in prep. So they didn't get to yeah. go rep it and all that. And so he went through it, has no idea what, Brian Dable's telling him to do, and, and I mean, he was other than a, a few fade balls down inside the ten yard line. I would say that was the only part I walked away and said um, that's not what he does well. He he was making every right. throw, roll, and all that stuff. I think the biggest thing with Josh coming out was his decision making, like just where to go with the ball, um, when when to deliver it, trying to 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 you know hold on and and going for when I say decision making. Going for too many home runs, just taking what the defense gives you and understanding that it was a big part of his accuracy. I mean, this guy's numbers were low, but he's he is be like a home run, you know, hitter, strikeout, yeah. or home run. They're just he was swinging for the fence against all odds because he's got this cannon of an arm. You know what? I'm going to rip it in between these three guys. I can do it. I think he had to find out at this level that you can't do that. If this league will punish you. You got to take what they give you, and just you know, I think ultimately him understanding the game, understanding what's coming, that helped his accuracy more than anything. It wasn't like 
just sitting out there throwing. He couldn't hit. You know, we got these yeah. nets and buckets. He could sit there and hit all that. It was just yeah. more in-game decision-making. And then, again, he would get a little sloppy with his base, footwork, try and throw without his shoulders being square. Just clean some of that up, clean your decision-making up, and you can make a huge jump. How easy or hard is it in the pre-draft process to get to get to know these guys? Because I know one of the intangibles about Josh is he's so likable. Yeah. You know that he'll – the guys will like him. He'll be easy to work with on your end of things. How important is that? And, and can you – are you always sure you're getting the right read on a guy when maybe you only meet him once, twice, three times? Yeah, yeah I mean, uh, it, listen, nothing's perfect. Um, it, it's, yeah. it's like if you're uh, – telling somebody it's like if you're – trying to figure out who your wife is, you know, you're, you're dating them. You don't, you know, are you going to live with them or not? You like yeah. this, you don't get, you don't get to live with a draft pick for a year and then make a decision. Yeah. Um, so, but we had, we worked it out. You know, the first time I met Josh, uh, was at the senior bowl and we, we got him into this boardroom. We did it. Baker Mayfield was there. Mason Rudolph, maybe one other, I can't remember, but we got him in this boardroom, just brought him in, watched him film. We spent like 30, 35 minutes with him. So that was kind of our first interaction. And, um, Josh in that one was, he wasn't the Josh that I came to know in the next time. So he was trying to impress, like he was trying to, he was nervous knowing him, you know, as I got to know him looking back, he was definitely nervous trying to say, uh, what he thought we wanted to hear versus just being himself. But that first interaction helps us for the next interaction. So, um, that was late January. Uh, we see him in Indy for a little bit, visit with him there. Um, next visit, we go to Laramie. We, we, that's where we did the private I talked about. We met him for dinner the night before just to relax. Um, by this point, he's he's starting to throw you know some some jokes out or whatever. You know, he's he's laughing. We're busting his chops a little. You're starting to get to feel who he is as a person. And, and again, you're on campus. You're asking staff about him. We go to this restaurant, and you know, one of the things I noticed about him was. He didn't even know I was watching him. I was kind of in the back. We're walking out, and we were walking to this restaurant, and, and it was late at night. They were just they were only open for us at this point because it was like eleven o'clock, and he's he knew that these people had stayed longer to let let him meet with us in, in this place, and he walked by like three or four different servers and bartenders, like hey, thank you for letting us like just yeah. just little stuff like that. He had no idea I was I was watching him, but um, you just. You felt his personality. You felt his. Uh, he, he's just a genuine dude. And I tell you the other thing: some of the receivers that came in. So we had this private okay. workout, and we're telling him, "Hey, you got to get some some receivers to throw to." And he wants guys that he trusts. And uh, a couple of these guys drove. I knew one of the guys drove like two hours. Like to mm-hmm. that tells you, like these guys were not. You know, they they look like my flag football team at uh, in college. Like they're not. Mm-hmm. These guys are not going to the pros to to mm-hmm. play NFL football, but they love Josh Allen enough. And, and I can tell you some of the other quarterbacks that we worked out, um, got, you know, some of their better receivers didn't show up for the workout. And, and that told me a little bit about them too. And this, this guy's got guys driving, you know, hour to yeah. two hours. And so you just, the more you got around him, you just, you felt like this guy's got leadership. Um, he's fun to re- be around He's a pro. Guys will enjoy. He can he can be serious when he needs to be serious, but he can break balls when he needs to do that. And and it's having that balance, you know, in that quarterback position, which gives you the confidence that 
okay, he's he's got some flaws in his game, but he's going to work. He's going to be, you know, he wants to be great. He's got that confident edge to him. That's what kind of gave us the confidence that this was the right guy for us. Who's uh? Whose health is it worse for when Josh tucks the ball and runs? Him or you? <laughs> it's mine. It's mine. It's because uh, he looks like he's fine out there. I'm always holding my breath. I've never seen him get up slow. Oh, I'm he, like, it's always the defender getting up slow. He's he's um, he's a nut job. He, you know, that's that's been. Um, I've never maybe one game um, in 2019. He threw a few picks against the Patriots. Mm-hmm. I asked him a little bit about that game, some decision making that he did. But that's probably the only game in his career I've ever asked him about uh, an interception. Um, yeah. You ask Josh right now, what does Bean ever get on to you about? It's about taking unnecessary hits. And I don't mind him taking mm-hmm. hits. It's the it's the one when he could step out of bounds. Instead, he wants to try and stiff arm somebody or, or lower his shoulder. And, and last year, he gets hurt the Jets game. Um, very end of the game, he, he hurts his UCL thing, which he had his rookie year. And we didn't even think he was going to play. The, the doctors told us on that Monday, they're like, this is probably a – one to three week deal, not as bad as he did in his rookie year, but uh, he's going to be out this week. Could be up to three weeks. We think after that he'd be good to go. Well, he's telling me all week like I'm playing, I'm playing. I'm like, well, not if not if the doc doesn't clear you. And so on Friday, the, so he didn't throw Wednesday, he didn't throw Thursday. Friday he was told to throw like thirty passes. Don't try and rip them. Just throw them at. I don't know if they told him seventy percent, eighty percent, something like that. And then. We'll see on Saturday if he comes in. Is it swollen? Is it hurting? Is he going to be able to play Sunday? So he gets cleared, but the doctor on this call, it's a separate doctor from us, uh, from our, our doctor involved, but we had an outside specialist talking. He's like, listen, Josh, if I'm going to clear you, like no unnecessary hits, you got to protect yourself. You can be vulnerable. Second quarter, we're playing the Vikings, and it's a scramble play, and he – he runs. He's plenty got the first down. He's at midfield. I can see it right now. And he's got a safety coming in on him. And does he slide? Does he dodge him? No. He tries to lower his shoulder and run over him. And I'm I you know, I'm calling down to to our trainer, like just like, dude, tell this guy at halftime no more or I'm gonna pull his ass out of the game. And so the trainer tells me after the game when he told him, Josh just looked at him and smiled and uh, so it's just that's that it. that's who he is. You love him, but he just can't help it. He gets in the middle of it, and uh, he just turns the switch of um, he's got one when he plays the game like a middle linebacker. No, you can see it. He gets the shark eyes, man, yeah. where he just kind of like goes he he goes blank and, and just wants to run people over. Uh, I know about the jockstrap thing with Case Keenum. <laughs> uh, I think Dawson told me uh, about that, um, and he was saying he was saying y'all rewarded – uh, Josh, because I was gonna say, how do you incentivize a guy that seems so simple and chill, like who wants for nothing? How do you incentivize a guy to get down and slide while well, you put Case Keenum in a jockstrap at practice? <laughs> that's the, what I, in the whole weight room. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that, that that's creative. Um, speaking of Dalton Kincaid, who's next on my list? I mean, that that was outside looking in. You know, I, I had no idea what y'all were going to do. Yeah. I had no idea what who anybody preferred. Because I, I love Mayer. I love Dalton Kincaid. They're different kind of players. Obviously, Mayer took a slide. Um, and I know Josh was really excited about Dalton. What excites you the most about him? And do you, do you see somebody in him? Yeah, I mean, uh, 
I don't know if I, if I want to compare him to a name, but um, what I would say about him is he, he really excited us just as a weapon for the pass game. And we were kind of yeah. looking at this draft, um, you know, what where are the weapons? Where are the mismatches? Um, whether it's a receiver, tight end, like who brings an added dimension? Who brings something that we don't already have? And so um, I thought one of the things that we, you know, were not as good in last year was just production over the middle of the field. You got your outside guys in, in Steph and, and Gabe Davis, but we were just uh, probably a little bit misfit toys. Like it just didn't jive either through. We lost Jericho. Uh, I'm not Jericho. Uh, Jameson Crowder. I'm thinking Jericho yeah. Dottry. Uh, yeah, lost, I'm a, that's a blast from the past. We yeah. lost Jamison Crowder game three or four of the year, breaks his ankle, and he had been making some some really good plays inside for us. And he was a forgotten name. People were, you know, kind of picking on our receivers a little bit. You know, Jamison has had a heck of a career and, and yeah. unfortunately gets, you know, breaks his fibula in, 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 against Baltimore. And, and we missed him. But just finding someone to make plays over the middle of the field and just being a mismatch, like who are you going to put on him? Are you going to put a linebacker on him? Are you going to put a safety on him? And, and so, you know, some of the the questions that we got was like, well, you extended Dawson Knox. How are you going? To, how's this going to work? You invested first round pick, and you know, we think there's a lot of ways. Not that we're always going to be in this twelve package, but we think there's a lot of ways that um, you know he's a flex tight end. Dawson's going to be more of your traditional uh, Y tight end right. in line. So just getting mismatches and and. Listen, if they're going to play Dalton a certain way, then maybe Dawson's going to get a really good, you know, mismatch yeah. that that we can kind of take advantage of. Yeah. At what point in that first round do you start thinking about Dalton and moving up? Because you did move up. You probably looked at Dallas there, who uh, most thought was going to go tight yeah. end if if somebody was there. At what point is it? Is it fifteen? Is it twenty? Is it a team that passes over somebody where you think, oh, this might actually be a possibility? And you start making those phone calls. Yeah, I mean, you know, in, in kind of my pre-draft prep, I was first off looking at um, some of the teams around us, what we what we kind of had as their top needs, and where we thought they may go. What would be what would be facing them? Where what, what decisions would they make? And part of it was figuring out where's this run of receivers going to happen. And and we even thought Dalton. We thought there was a you know two teams before twenty that might be interested in him and then we we kind of thought the chart and once they got to the 20s we thought the chargers and the cowboys would be two teams that we could see potentially taking him and so when he got past the chargers at 21 that's when we didn't you know we came in the draft with six picks and so didn't i wasn't like looking to move up and and use one of those assets but um Dalton was a guy that really, you know, we, we just thought was a really good fit, a lot of love for. And so when he got past the Chargers, at that point started checking in with teams to see um, was there any interest and had kind of a – I knew at that point, I'm like, if I can just get in front of Dallas, I don't think any of these other teams are taking tight end here. I really I, – if they do, you know – now, someone could always trade in front of us too. Um, so – I got my buddy Joe Shane, who used to be my assistant GM. He's at the Giants now. Um, we had it. We kind of worked out a deal through just texting each other that we, I would hop right in front of Dallas. But Joe then let me know that after the receivers went, I think he wanted receiver or, or, the, or the corner they took. So 
Um, I don't know the receiver piece, but I'm guessing that's what it was. I think he got a little nervous that, all right, there was a run on receivers. Maybe now there's going to be a run on corners. So he swaps with Jacksonville. So at that point, jumped on the phone with Jacksonville, and they were a little antsy about moving. They asked a lot of questions trying to figure out who we were going to take. Yeah. They, they wanted that offensive tackle uh, from Oklahoma, who they got. So I'm, I'm glad they got their guy because they were – I was trying to talk them into, like, uh, they were a little – again, they were a little nervous that, that they were going to lose him. So worked it out, and, and we're thrilled to get him. Do you have to tell the other team sometimes to be able to move up, like who you're moving up for? Yeah, so um, Trent Balky, their GM, he says, Brent, I just moved one, and, and, and it's funny. I talked to Joe Shane later, and he, he said he pretty much had to tell him who it was. Yeah. So same thing. He's like, well, you're going to have to tell me who you're taking. And I was like, well, Trent, like, I don't necessarily want to tell you who I'm taking. And he's, <laughs> and he's like, well, you're going to have to, we're going to have to figure this out somewhere or the other, because if I don't know that you're not taking my guy, I'm not moving back. And, I'm, and so then he goes right. offense or defense. And I said, offense. And he goes, all right, I need more. And uh, <laughs> so then he goes big or small. And I said, Bigger. medium. And, uh, <laughs> and so he goes, are you taking a tight end? And I said, yeah. And uh, he goes, all right, let me call you right back. Well, it's like the longest two minutes, and he still hasn't called back. Now I'm hearing Jacksonville's on the clock. I'm like, I, oh, I, I'm like, so I call him back. I'm like, Trent, like, I'm telling you, we're not taking the same guy. I think I, I think I know where you're heading. We're not taking the same guy, and you're gonna uh -huh. get him. And uh, so he, he 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 was nervous about it. I know. I'm glad he got his guy. I wouldn't have wanted to to work. With That's him. funny. Yeah. That's funny. Hey, you're a Giants fan right here. Anything you want to tell Joe Shane by way of Brandon? Yes, yeah, send me everything you get. I, I, yeah, get well, I'm glad you jumped you in front of. Well. I'm glad you jumped in front of Dallas. Thank you for for letting uh, Brian and Joe go spread their wings and uh, <laughs> getting us a playoff win and in, in, uh, yeah. in MetLife. Um, no, if uh, if Joe says if Joe says yeah, we're gonna go receiver a corner and then. Um, takes Dalton Kincaid from you at 24. I mean, is the, is the friendship over at that point? Is <laughs> Well, we didn't, I, we never talked. I just kind of knew, I felt like with Dable, they were going to be looking for, you know, receiving weapon, which they went and got Jalen Hyatt there in the second. So yeah. um, we didn't get into those specifics and he didn't know who I was. Joe didn't know who I was after. Uh, mm -hmm. So it would, it would have been fine. I didn't listen we're boys, but we don't trust each other that much to tell each other. Who yeah. uh, I, I've been asking a couple of the, the, I had a couple of former GMs on the last couple of weeks and uh, now I got a, an active GM. Who's a guy that when he calls, you're like, this is not good because he's, <laughs> he's got the upper hand. I don't know. I think it's just, um, you, you, you definitely, there's definitely people that you enjoy working with. You know, they're not trying to, you know, they're, they're not trying to screw you. They're looking for fair, and there's and then yeah. there's always people that call. There's not always. There's a handful that when they call, um, you know, you're like, all right, you. They got to win the deal. Like they just, yeah. they're so scared not to yeah. win the deal, or somebody's gonna, yeah. you know, second guess them. But uh, yeah. I, I do less deals with them. That's good. You got you got it mapped out. Um, listen, you went through a tough thing with Luke Keekley and the concussions. I know it's like hard when you. When you watched, I don't know if it was right after you. Was that kind of? It was right after under, I left. Was when he right after of, you left. Yeah, yeah. He, he, he um, shut it down. Yeah, it's. I know it's hard to watch that stuff, and then you know the Demar thing's a whole another level. You know, I've talked to your guys about that, and you know, we don't have to go backwards, but but 
uh, you know, looking forwards, uh, it's exciting. He wants to play football again. And, uh, you know, like, first off, the fact that he's alive and that yep. he's he's healthy, like, that was hard for, I think, anybody in the fraternity that night. was I'll never forget it. But here we are talking about football again, and, and that's exciting. Uh, how hard is it for you, having gone through that and loving the kid like I know you do, yep. now to be – was the word you use yeah, dispassionate and 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 you know like do your job being a football man and not like you know not let it bleed into this is how I feel about this kid and his journey like is it going to be tough to make decisions on a guy like Demar and do you feel nervous about that yeah no that's a great great question um all things that have all gone through our you know my head and, and still do you know I I go back we're talking about him with somebody yesterday it's just I go back to when it happened and then, you know, to be where we're at today, um, you know, he, this guy was, you know, had to be revived on the field. And then, you know, we're there with him, at, you know, in the hospital and you're seeing him the way he looks and, you know, he, he's fighting just to, to breathe and live, you know, for those first 48 to 72 hours. Yeah. And to think that was in January, early January, but in January, and you're talking about, Mid-April, this guy got his full clearance to play NFL tackle football again. Um, it's surreal. It's something that I never, you know, when I'm, you know, we're in the, there in the hospital here with his parents. Like, you're not thinking about him playing football again. You just want him to, to first live, and then secondly, can he live a normal life? And yeah. everything else is gravy. And, and so it's been, it's something that's unprecedented. I've, I've been in this league, yeah, 25 years now, and and. Um, I, I hope I never witness anything like that again. As you said, it's a, it's we all compete against each other, but it's a brotherhood, and, and especially when it's one of your own out there, you want what's best for him. And, and this is a you know America's got to see this is a great young man raised yeah. the right way. His parents, you know, two parent home, working family, got a younger brother. Mom runs a daycare. Dad's running a, a, a trucking business, and still still doing all those things, and and just. The, the strength and the love that these parents showed when, you know, for their son was, it was pretty inspirational to me as a parent. Like, uh, you know, I want to be like, like, like they are. And so where we fast forwarded to with DeMar, it's, it's, um, we're going to support him. He wants to try and do this. We've, he's seen, um, three outside specialists, two specialists here in Buffalo. So five total. Um, and they're all in sync to, it was this Commodio Cordis deal, which I had never heard of before his situation. I know, I know way too much about Commodio Cordis. Now, yeah. It's, uh, but mm. you know, we're going to support him. You know, it's not going to be easy though for any, you know, it's, you're talking about, you know, now, you know, he's working out, he's doing that stuff with his teammates. We're starting phase two, but there's still going to be some mental hurdles. We know just even if, if he can get on the field and OTA is just putting that helmet back on, going out there in non-pads and then, you know, getting the training camp, you know, now we're, we're, we're putting pads on and, and it's, it's really for real. So, um, yeah, I think there's still some hurdles to go, but excited for his journey and, and we're going to support him, you know, every step of the way. Have you talked to Les Snead in person or run into him since you stole Von Miller from? Because that looked like it really hurt my boy's, <laughs> my, my boy's heart out there. Uh, Les is, uh, I love Les. Les is a good dude. You know, um, we talk, but not, we haven't really specifically talked about Vaughn. That's one of those ones, same thing. I'm, it doesn't I've lost, come up. I've lost guys before and you just, uh, you just kind of uh, say, uh, 
shit part of the business. But uh, no, nah, it's yeah. Vaughn was man. Vaughn was having a heck of a year till he got rolled into yeah. it and got that ACL and uh, Thanksgiving Day. But he's a genetic freak. He's doing well, and um, you know we're excited that he's going to be back. You know he's got a chance to to be ready by the opener. It'll 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 be close. I know he's going to he he's pushing for it. I think we'll have to hold him back if anything. And have you apologized to Josh Norman for making him uh, infamous by <laughs> signing him almost immediately? Uh, was that one of his first games, the Derrick Henry, Derek Henry uh, stiff arm? It was. Yeah. It was. I think we played him like week – that was a COVID year, I think. But we played him maybe like week four or five. And yeah. God, we got – we went out there and got shredded. It, our whole game was like that one. That was a microcosm of uh, of how the Titans did us that day. Well, yeah, and it was like all messed up. Y'all had a, they had like some shorter rest or something, or it was, it was just a crazy. Well, it was, the game was, um, game was supposed to be played on Sunday, I think. Then it got moved to Monday. Yeah, because we were going to have a Sunday and then a Thursday game with the Chiefs. Yeah. It was a Sunday yeah. game. Then we got told, at one point, we got told through the, some of our guys got word through the PA that the game was going to be canceled. So, Mm-hmm. Um, then it got, no, nah, the league says, no, nah, we're not canceling. Wait another day. And so we ended up sending the players home. It was the weirdest week. It was weird. It was ever. Weird. Yeah. Then it gets moved to Monday mm-hmm. and then we came in and they're like, no, don't travel today. Travel tomorrow. We're going to move it to Tuesday. So never played a Tuesday night football, even in peewee football. <laughs> I know. Yeah. No, I know. It's the weirdest week of the, or a uh, uh, day of the week. Uh, last question for you. You've been gracious with your time. We appreciate you. Um, Have you informed Ken Dorsey that there's a video camera in the booth? <laughs> we have uh, D- Dorsey. Uh, the the memes. We we got a great kick out of all the uh, all all the Dorsey <laughs> memes last year. It was. Uh, he's a competitive dude, man. He's a uh, he's a lot of fun, but he's he's he wants it bad, and I'll take those those people all day long. Yeah, you want that guy who's who's uh, messing things up in the booth a little bit. And then lastly, how how excited are you for Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert to get off these rookie deals? <laughs> yeah, it's uh yeah, come come to our company and and pay yeah. and, and pay these 40 plus now that shoot now they're going over 50 plus deals. It's yeah. uh, they are game changers for sure with with how you got to shape your roster up, but uh yeah. good problems to have. Yeah, no question. Uh, AFC is going to be a lot of fun. Brandon Bean, awesome job. Keep it up. We love watching the Bills. Uh, thanks for coming on the show. No, I appreciate you guys having me. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, man. Come back again. Our friends at Shady Rays have you covered from the sun to the slopes with premium polarized shades, customizable snow goggles, and much more. Shady Rays is an independent sunglasses company that offers a world-class product that's just as good as any expensive pair we've worn. Durable frames and extremely clear optics for outdoor adventures. That's not all. Shady Rays offers the most insane protection in all of eyewear. Every pair of sunglasses is backed by lost and broken replacements. If you lose or break your pair, even on day one, like I probably would, they told us that they will send you a brand new pair. No questions asked. Wear your Shady Rays with confidence because they have your back long after you purchase. They're essentials for me. I mean, whether it's a little bit dark at softball at night and I want to look cool out there at second base, need to eliminate a little bit of the glare from those really bright lights, or if I'm out on the river and I want to keep the sun out of my eyes, 
they're great looking shades. They're functional. Uh, they're durable. If you don't love them, exchange for a new pair or return them for free within 30 days. There's no risk when you shop with Shady Rays. Exclusively for our listeners, Shady Rays is giving out the best deal of the new year. Go to ShadyRays.com and use code GREENLIGHT for 50% off two-plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try it for yourself. These shades have been rated five stars by over 200,000 people. Good news. The Thursday show we do with AMP will continue. 4.30 every Thursday. The Greenlight team, Cowboy Reed, Fax, Kingston. Uh, I'll pop through there sometimes. On AMP, you can interact with us really easily. There's a call-in button. We invite call-ins all the time. You can talk directly to us, ask us questions, ask us our favorite music. We might even play some. There's also a live chat during the show. If you have a question about a topic we're talking about, fire it off in the chat. We'll answer. We're gonna be uh, we're gonna be doing what we've been doing all fall, uh, every Thursday at four thirty on AMP. Uh, check us out. If you're in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, or right here in Virginia, and you haven't tried the WinBet app yet, I have great news for you. Sign up today to receive special offers and take advantage of great promos. Don't miss out on the fun. Download the WinBet app today. Terms and conditions apply, must be 21 or older, and present in a state where WinBet is available. Gambling problem? In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, and Virginia, call 1-800-GAMBLER. And in Michigan, 1-800-270-7117. Tennessee, y'all too, 1-800-889-9789. As promised, um, One of the best. I don't know if there's anybody more universally respected than Daniel Jeremiah. I don't think I've ever met somebody that's had a bad thing to say about Daniel Jeremiah. What's wrong with you? Is there something wrong with you that people don't know about? Yeah, dude, I'm a Padre fan. Like that's okay. Okay, it's it's kind of it's kind of been a fatal flaw over all these years. Okay, uh, but I wear it. I wear it proudly. I was thinking like serial killer, maybe. Uh, But yeah, yeah, (laughs) some some more secret. Okay, Padre fan. All right, Dan. Dan, I like thanks for joining us. I know it's been a long run with all the draft stuff. Um, I know you're probably ready to move on to the ne- ne- next year's draft or maybe this season. Uh, I do have some current NFL questions, but before I get to, to my football yeah. questions, how did it feel to have a dog pee on you? Yeah, dude, that was an experience. Um, I, uh, you know, we had the rescue puppies, uh, that were going to come on set and these, uh, really nice ladies are going to bring all these puppies out. They're going to stand behind us and we're rich. Eisen's going to implore people to, you know, to rescue these puppies and yeah, it's a pretty cool idea. And then before the uh, segment starts, like, Hey, let's get some pictures with you guys holding the dogs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's what's harmless. Right. So they, the lady hands me the dog. And as I'm holding the dog, the dog feels kind of wet, like on my hand. And I, I, I'm like, you know, maybe this lady was like nervous. Cause she's going to be on TV and, you know, maybe she was sweaty, sweating like, onto the dog. dog. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then as it's like starting to seep into my clothing, I'm like, yeah, this isn't like palm sweat that we're dealing with here. This is another situation entirely. <laughs> um, so just kind of real, like what kind of gave her the wave, like here, you can go ahead and take the dog back now. And, uh, it didn't get my jacket, but it got my shirt. And, uh, you know, it, and so look, it freaking, the, it dried rather fast. That was not an issue, but I did not realize like, like if you're wearing a shirt that's made out of puppy pad, like how that smells. For smells the like a puppy pad. Sick. 
yeah, it was a sixth and seventh round of me wearing a puppy pad. Jeez, man. Does that dog slide now? <laughs> yeah, I dropped him down a little bit. You know, like to me, I, I wanted to spend some more time. I brought the dog in on a visit and, uh, you know, it didn't, you know, we didn't, we didn't really jive. We didn't, uh, I don't know if I made the dog nervous. Apparently is pretty good evidence that I did. Okay. Uh, so I dropped him <laughs> down a little bit. Yeah, for but the sure. Other thing, Chris, I think Chris, you know, like uh, I moonlight uh gig is is doing charger games yeah so i've been the, the charger analyst on their radio broadcast for five years and i'm like of course i the chargers analyst goes to kansas city and gets <laughs> peed on by a dog named patrick literally the dog's <laughs> name is patrick that's good that's what i think was gonna happen yeah exactly that exactly that um so where does kansas city even with your chargers uh allegiance rank for you as a city to have the draft in yeah, it was pretty awesome. Uh, I, I'm still, you know, I don't want to like go through all of them, but like it's it's right up there behind Nashville. I I would still say Nashville was like the ultimate gold standard. Like that was insanity. The amount of people we had there, and to be able to from our set location be able to see all of them. Um, you know, most of the places like Vegas is is spread out a little bit. Um, they were all cool. They all have their own little flavor. But for me, Nashville's is still the uh, is still the tops. But Kansas City, the food was the best. I'll tell you that much. The food was awesome. Of the 31 first round picks, how many of the 31 did you know the name of the pick before it was announced? And uh, follow up comment. I appreciate you because if you did know it every time, you didn't tip it on the broadcast. We were doing a live stream, and you wouldn't tell us, "Hey, here's Jordan Addison." And that makes the experience much better for the viewer. So thank you. No, well, I appreciate it. Thankfully, you know, and Rich is, would tell you the same thing, that we never know um, who the pick is going to be. So we we don't get on social media. Like I have this last two years has been a dream because the, the network has provided me with, with a guy named Jordan who does works in the social media department. So he, I, he has the con. So I give him the con with my uh, Twitter feed and everything. And so, He'll he'll just listen and he'll post he'll tweet stuff that I'm saying so it's as me but I'm not on I'm not on social media at all during the draft because I don't want to see anything right and then once once the commissioner goes up so the way that to to give you an idea of like behind the scenes here so the pick like Rich will throw it to the commissioner so once he throws it to the commissioner like obviously we're not going to get to talk again until after the pick is announced so as soon as he throws it. I have a computer screen that's mirrored and done the XO videos, the highlights we're going to show after a guy gets picked. So as soon as it, he goes, all right, and uh, let's send it down to the commissioner, boom, on my mirrored screen, the player's name pops up, my notes on the player pop up, and his bio, which has like stats or anything else I want to get on, get at. So I have that little 15-second window to look over my notes. And so once the pick is announced and it's my turn to talk, I'm ready to go. Uh, you don't get to see the moments in real time, like that we get to see at home, you know, like, uh, maybe you see them on the screens on your desk or whatever, but you can't be as locked in as we are. Do you have a favorite moment, um, you know, in the wake of a pick, uh, from this weekend and do you get to see it afterwards? Well, the, I mean, the coolest one was, was just the, you know, we showed it live and we were able to talk over it was when the Cowboys picked Deuce Vaughn yeah. because his dad was on the scouting staff. So to see him in that room, like, you know, you, you have kids and you're like, dude, I can't imagine what that phone call must have been like. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Um, so that was, that was pretty cool, man. So that was probably my favorite like reactionary moment, but it's always fun to see like the, 
you get like the joyful, like the pure joyful, you get the emotional. And then you get like a couple of the dudes where like, I can tell this guy is so pissed that he did not go earlier. Like mm-hmm. he's trying to hide it, but like he almost can't hide it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, Will Levis, but I think he ended up being happy with the Titans, uh, picking him up. That actually worked out well for him. I, it, what, what was it about the slide for him that, that, that made it, I don't know, uh, expected or did you expect it? Well, I thought there was, you know, there's a lot of chatter with him at four. So I thought, okay, he's, you know, I, I felt like there was a good chance he would go four. Once, and if he didn't go four, he's like Titans are bust. Like that was the only other team that we knew or that I knew was, was dialed in on him was Tennessee. So it's like, okay, he doesn't go four. All your eggs are in the Tennessee basket. And then he doesn't go on 11. As soon as he didn't go 11, it was like, okay, this, this could be, this could be a little bit of a slide. And then, you know, found out later that night that they had tried getting up with the giants to get back in to take him. They tried getting up with Buffalo. They tried getting up with Kansas city. Um, they just couldn't come to terms on a deal. So uh, at the end of the day, in his, you know, in his case, and I hope he looks at it this way, but you're way better off being the 33rd pick than being like the 27th or 29th pick. You know, you're going to get that four-year deal. You're going to be the first one to the, to the market if you play well. And you saw what Jalen Hurts, how he was able to catch that chip in. Yeah. And you're not, you know, if you're not getting picked four, you're not having to play an indie where things are a little bit crazy right now. I mean Tennessee, they were yeah. they're down a little bit, but I feel like their their floor is always higher than everybody else's, uh, just because of the way Mike scraps it together. And I'm excited about Rand Carthen too. So, um, how about the mayor slide? Because this is one for me, a casual mm-hmm. on draft day. We're doing a live stream, and I'm just telling everybody to draft mayor. We were doing a guessing game where, uh, you know, you tried to guess who was going to get picked, and from about pick ten to pick 45 it was it was michael mayer for me what the yeah. f- what the hell happened dude um yeah what, what is it about him well I, I would say chris like the the uh if you just kind of look at the history of it like tight ends that go in the first round have uh just have some freaky uh characteristics like either some height weight speed stuff to them yeah. or they're just more dynamic like he and i even said it like through the so the time I had, I didn't, I, I thought he just went way too low. I mean, he was like my 19th or 20th player. So maybe not quite as high as you had him, yeah. but like in a draft where there's so much uncertainty and all these guys aren't clean, like, you know, they're not big enough. They're not, they're too old. They're injured. Like this guy was all day clean. He just wasn't a dynamic, sexy pick. So those types of tight ends historically all end up going in the second round. And, you know, that's, that's kind of what happened to him. But I promise you, he will have a better career than a lot of dudes that were picked ahead of him in this draft. Speaking of slides, Nolan Smith, um, you know, because I didn't think personally there was that much of a delta between him and the best, quote unquote, best, best player at edge yeah. in the draft. I mean, like, I like Will Anderson. I think Houston gave up a lot to get him. Um, I, people are lauding, you know, them making moves, but. Um, I don't think he's that much better than Nolan Smith. So how, what, what went into that? Yeah, it was weird, man. Like the, the league was very kind of split on Nolan Smith. I loved him. And you know, the stuff that people criticize him for is kind of outside of his control. You know, they were talking about just the, the production and I'm like, well, he was hurt this year. So that kind of wipes out yeah. this year. 
And then you look at the previous years. I'm like, I think he, I think he started 23 games and had 11 and a half sacks. Yeah. And that Georgia group, they roll so many guys through. They do. And you're blowing everybody out. So yeah. you're rolling guys through, and the game's over in the third quarter. Like he, he's only had so many opportunities to do that. And yeah. the juice, like the juice that he has, like jumps off the screen. He's yeah. got some freaky, freaky get off, and he's strong. So I just thought, like. I know some people, I got some feedback, some criticism of like, oh my gosh, like stop. You just loved up the Eagles. And I'm like, I don't care who would have picked him. He was yeah. like my 12th player. Like whoever would have picked him, I would have given him their flowers. I thought it was a heck of a pick. Yeah, the guy the guy can play. And he can set an edge. I mean, uh, I, I, I'm a big He's fan strong. of him. Yeah. Highlight of the first round might have been DJ's correctly predict, predicting the uh, old Texans-Cardinals trade, yeah. having the Texans go Stroud, Will Anderson. How'd you know, Daniel? Who tipped you off? <laughs> he can't give up his sources. Yeah. yeah. Well, everybody thought that like I've got this like uh, like this deep source inside the organization, this mole that's been like feeding me stuff, and I'm like, no, actually, it was like the, I turned that mock draft in on a Monday. And uh, normally I, I kind of I have to turn it in by like Tuesday at noon because we do a show Wednesday night and they have to prepare the show. And I always agonize over it. I take it down to the last minute. And this year I was like, screw it. I'm just doing this thing Monday. I'm getting it off my plate. I'm done with it. And what I knew at the time when I filled it out was they liked Stroud and they liked Anderson. It was probably going to be one of those two guys. And I was kind of going back and forth, back and forth. And then like you pick your head up and like, all right, let's have some common sense here that Arizona's basically put up a billboard saying they want to get the heck out. They they want to trade three. So if you're Houston, you've got all these extra picks. If you pick the quarterback at two, only the quarterback is the person that everybody would come up for. So you've eliminated that. So you've eliminated most of the other teams that would be willing to trade up. So why not get both those players? If you like both of them, you know, it's all right there for you. Just go get both of them. So I I just kind of put that in there. But I'll be honest. I mean, I think – I had no idea that it was actually going to happen. And then when you're sitting there on the desk and they're like, there's a trade, your ears perk up a little bit. And you're like, wait a second. And they're like, Houston's back on the clock. I'm like, holy crap, this thing actually really happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's got to feel good. You nailed the Mississippi State kid too. Uh, was it Emmanuel Forbes? The the guy who looks like a string bean. I mean, no offense to the kid. He's pretty light. Like He went yeah. to the, the commanders at 16. What is it about him that makes you feel good enough about uh, you know a guy like that with that kind of frame? Yeah, he's got four arms, no legs, dude. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's, he, but the the thing with that one is he's got the best ball skills in the draft. And again, I've never seen a corner corner that skinny go that high. But I was in Baltimore with Samari Roll. And did you play? You didn't play with Samari. I did, did not. You, no, but yeah, I, I yeah watched him play. Great player. Yeah. Yeah, great player, real real thin. Yeah. Uh, but the the that one connecting those dots was I was thinking back to the East West Shrine game practices from a bazillion years ago. Um, and and going out there and watching Josh Norman, who was playing at Coastal Carolina, and he had like five picks in practice that week. Mm-hmm. And then Rivera and Carolina picked him, and obviously he was a great player for them, which is just awesome ball skills and instincts and played real, 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 real confident, trust his eyes. And I'm like, this kid is kind of like a ball hawk like that. So I'm like, okay, Washington needs a corner like that. Who have they had success with in their past? Uh, I can, I know this kid's skinny, but he's the closest thing to Josh Norman type corner in this yeah. draft. So that's why I threw him in there. That's interesting. That comp didn't, didn't jump out at me, but it makes a lot of sense now. Um, 
and and the Pats uh, and and the Lions may be a little bit connected. I don't know, but like I had heard that the Pats were interested in Gibbs, uh, and maybe they were going to move up for him. Uh, I was surprised by the Gibbs pick, like everybody else. Did Detroit panic uh, on that one, or do you like the pick? Was was New England lurking? Yeah, I don't think it was just New England either. Yeah. You know, I think there was a couple teams that were on him, um, and we're gonna we're gonna take him. He would not have got to pick twenty, so um, that was a surprise to me just because of the way the league has trended with the running back position. But yeah. it shouldn't, you know. I, I guess maybe we should have seen it coming. I didn't see it coming from the standpoint of the receiver class was down. Yeah, um, and teams are like, dude, this guy runs is is legit four three. He can, he's run you know receiver routes like. They're going to major him as a slot. Yeah. And then just, you know, give him some sprinkles in the backfield. Like he's better than any of the receivers in the draft. So, you know, who cares that he's a running back? We'll just make him a slot receiver. Yeah. Which, of course, is going to, is, that's going to suck when, uh, when he, when he's up for his second deal. And he's like, <laughs> uh, I'm not just a running back. We just had yeah. Eckler on uh, a couple months ago. I feel like it was. And he yeah. made some news and talking about his contract. And with your knowledge of that situation, I figured, yeah. Um, that'd be interesting because I, I do you remember, do you remember, do you remember the Jimmy Graham thing where like, yeah. that was my favorite arbitration yeah. mm-hmm. where you had to have somebody from his agency and you had to have somebody from the league and they had to watch every single one of his snaps and, and agree on whether or not he was flexed out it's as a so wide funny. out or as a tight end. It's so funny. Oh, it's so funny. Um, yeah, no, Jimmy Graham was not much of an inline blocker. But uh, no. he did one time, man. I, he was lined up like uh, he was—he was off ball, and I was in a nine. And I was older mm-hmm. in St. Louis. Uh, not an excuse, but uh, kind of caught me off guard. They kept him in in pass pro. Didn't think they were going to try to block him <laughs> with me. So it was almost like, and he actually blocked me. I was like, God, oh. you know, like I pushed him back, but I can—I can remember thinking like that's pretty slick, you know, block you with Jimmy Graham because you're not expecting it. Um, Okay, so give me your take on Carolina. I think I heard you say you really like them. Are they better than people think this year? Uh, does this put more pressure on Bryce? Because it's not one of these things where you can say, like, hey, the cupboard's bare. Like, they actually have weapons. Yeah. Yeah, I look, I, I still think you need some more firepower, you know, eventually to become uh, what I, I would say a more, more dynamic offense. I don't think that's you know, what it's going to look like. But I think when you have a pretty good offensive line, which they do, um, and you look at the defense is going to keep scores down. They have a lot of talent on that side of the ball. Uh, and then to me, the most important thing is I just think with Frank being there, you know, like I, I was, I think I, if I was telling us on the broadcast or was just talking to somebody else, but like he's going to have that like three interception game, you know? Yeah. And I can just see Frank you know, having been around him, you know him well, like he's just going to put his arm around and be like, Hey man, like, I, should, I remember Jim Kelly, you know, throwing throwing four picks against this team or whatever. Like you're fine, we're good. You know, it, it's just, just like saving. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. It's going to be that they're going straight bad cop, mm-hmm. good cop uh, with mm-hmm. what he's where he's been and where he's going. But I think he'll be a real calming influence on him and kind of ease his transition. So I, I I like the I like the kind of the cocoon he's going to get a chance to to develop in. Okay, so how about Anthony Richardson to the Colts? I'm really excited about it. I'm a big fan of, obviously, uh, his ceiling. And I really think, I believe in taking swings at people with high ceilings. And, 
you know, kind of tells you maybe the kind of GM I'd be and maybe I wouldn't last long. But <laughs> Anthony Richardson, what success look like for him year one in, in Indy? I think just progress is kind of the easy way to say it, but I, you know, this is going to be a major in the legs, minor in the arms, you know, mm-hmm. start for him. Um, but he's big enough to take some pounding. So, you know, to me, he's like, we're going to carry the ball 14, 15 times a game, you know, yeah. and kind of help supplement our offense. And, you know, even like, even, even just having to account for him is going to make Jonathan, Jonathan Taylor is going to lead the league in rushing. I'll be shocked if he doesn't just because you can't, you have to account for him every single time. So you're holding the backside every single snap. You got to worry about yeah. him pulling the ball. So yeah. they should run the heck out of it. Their offensive line's got to play better. They they were disappointing last year. So that group's got to, that group's got to get back to what they were. Um, but to me, yeah, I think you run the ball and you're going to try and take some shots over the top. Um, I don't think they're going to be scoring a zillion points and I think you're going to live with some turnovers and some mistakes, but I, I, you know, I think they came out and said, we're not going to you know, say right now, whether or not he's going to play earlier, we're going to redshirt him. What we're going to do, we're going to let him dictate that with how he plays. But to me, the ideal thing is he gets to watch for a few weeks, just kind of get a sense and a feel for it. And then, and then cut him loose and, and let that dude go out there and run around, and make some plays. Uh, you know, the Carter slide, was that expected for you? I mean, like it kind of felt like it was going to happen, but I I didn't know that he'd get past Seattle, um, you know, and, and go inside the bears head heads for a second, Ryan Poles and Ian Yates Cunningham and saying, Hey, we're going to protect Justin Fields. And that tackle's pretty good. Uh, and passing up on Carter. Yeah, I think you, you hit it. I mean, I've always said when you have a young quarterback, you know, first, second, third year quarterback, I would almost, I would almost call your defensive coordinator into the, into the head coach's office. Like, Hey dude, I apologize, but we're going to pay you good money. Yeah. Uh, but all of our, all of our resources early on are going to support the quarterback because even if we're losing games, if the quarterback's making progress, we're going to be good. Yeah. So be paid, be patient with me. Once we get the quarterback up and running, we'll take some resources and, and ship them to your side of the ball. But for the time being, we've got to, we've got to do everything we can to make that kid be successful. So it made sense that, that Chicago did what they did. And then I would say with Jalen, with some of these other teams, you know, it's, it's complicated and you have to, you have to know your building and know your room and know your coaching staff and know, like, can we take him in and get the most out of him? And you can say, okay, well, Atlanta picking eight, like he's going to stay there. Like, I don't think that's a great fit for him. Um, Detroit. I don't think that that group's further along enough, you know, that that would be a great fit. Young group, And yeah, young group. And, you know, I was talking to a coach at Georgia and he said, you know, one of the things, you know, one of the, maybe challenges with Jalen was when he came to Georgia, the second he stepped foot on campus. Now keep in mind this team, this school's won back-to-back national championships. Like the second he stepped foot on campus, he was the best player on our team and he knew it. The coaches knew it. The players knew it. Everyone knew it. Mm. And he said like, he needs to go someplace where there's established guys yeah. and it just makes for a different environment. And you know, like with, with Fletch and BG and those guys, like, and everybody's talked about it. And I've mentioned it. Hey, all the Georgia guys, that's going to help. I, I I think more so it's all the vets that yes. they have mm-hmm. um, that's going to be huge for him. And so that, I, you know, we'll see. I think that was the place where he has the best chance to reach his potential. And he is the most talented player in the draft. I, I don't think that's even debatable when he's, when he's on the football field, that guy is a freak. Yeah. Him and, and Robinson um, to me were two of yes. the guys that you're like, these are the best available type guys. 
obviously Robinson going to Atlanta. I want I want to hit you with some quick hitters before we let you go. Yeah. Um, give me your steal of the draft. Wow, steal of the draft. Um, that's a great. Well, I, you know, I'll say Darnell Washington. It, yeah. You know, provided he stays healthy, he is a dominant blocker. You know, Mercedes Lewis has been in this league forever. Twenty years, he's like, man. Yeah, he's like Mercedes Lewis, like a souped-up Mercedes Lewis. Yes. So, you know, hopefully, hopefully, I think it was his knee, you know, his knee or his foot, but it, whatever medical issue that, that caused him to drop that that he's okay. I mean, I remember being in a draft room, and uh, the year Grunt came out, and our doctors said he was a one-contract player. So mm. um, <laughs> that that information doesn't always I end up being said that about accurate, Kyle so. Long, too, his, his, uh, his foot's shaped like a Lego block. I think I think they were like, "What the fuck is that?" Uh, this guy's not gonna last long. So yeah, I mean, amazing athletes have uh, amazing ways of overcompensating for for things like that. Um, no, all right, no give me the question. reach of the draft. The reach of the draft. Um, Who pulled a muscle? You know, I yeah, I I don't. Uh, yeah, I hate the, I hate the term, but I, I would just say yeah. that Anton Harrison to me was a was picked you know as a first round pick i thought he was still a little bit more of a work in progress yeah uh but uh he was the next tackle so you know it's almost like we, we always say in the draft room it's like a tackle or a corner like if you want him you better push him up the board or you're yeah. gonna see him yeah yeah uh okay how about offensive rookie of the year and defensive rookie of the year based on fits not necessarily the best players in these in these drafts but Players yeah. that are going to be in situations where they can shine early. Offensive player of the year, I'll say. Rookie of the um, year, rookie of the year, yeah. Yeah, 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 offense, offensive rookie of the year. I'll say, uh, you know, I think Jackson Smith and Jigba getting a chance to play with DK and Lockett. That's going to be amazing, he's gonna, yeah. He's going to catch a zillion balls in the slot. So yep. I'll say him for offense. For defense, um, gosh. You know the thing with the thing with the two Philly guys is even though they're great players, the rotation's so deep that they're not going to be able to put up numbers. Yeah, exactly. So it's not going to be them. It's tough I'll this say, year. Yeah. Yeah. No, it is. I, I'll go with Witherspoon. So can see Last year we had the Jets offense and defensive rookie of the year. I'll say Seattle pulls the double this year. Wow. Yeah. That that was um, that kid's a stud. You can tell. He's a he is an animal, man. Like. Uh, I said it when he got picked. I'm like, his controller has no pause button. Like he just, it's mm-hmm. rare to see those guys that play with that, at that much confidence. And it's not just like, Oh, he's, he's, he's got swagger and all and like, no, this dude studies. Like you, you know, the guys that study it. I, I saw it. I and mean, I don't want to compare him to hall of famer, but being around Ed Reed, like Ed Reed, it was like his natural instincts. I'm like, yeah, you know what, when you know where natural instincts come from, it's because yeah. he freaking studies his butt off. He knows everything. There were two Tennessee volunteer wide receivers, Jalen Hyatt, Cedric Tillman. Giants probably yeah. looking at wide receiver or corner in the first round. There's that run on receiver, and then they get Deontay Banks. And they move up to get Jalen Hyatt in the third. And Joe Shane's probably pretty confident in himself and has a good track record. But then Cleveland, with a little slap in the face, hey, we watch the same tape. And we like this Cedric <laughs> Tillman in the pick right after you. Mm. Who do you like better between Hyatt and Tillman? Yeah, I had Hyatt a little higher, but they were actually really close on my list. I think they were, on, in terms of the receiver ranking for me, were one on top of the other. But it's that's total fit. Like, 
the Giants and talking to them and talking to Joe and talking to Dayball in the offseason was like, dude, we we were too slow. We've got to get faster. And that you've seen it. They brought over Paris Campbell, who if he's healthy, can fly. Now you, you bring him in, he can fly. Um, they brought over Darren Waller. Like they've gotten a heck of a lot faster. So that was exactly what they were looking for. And then Cleveland, you know, wanted more of a, a bigger body who's going to be more of a you know, third down red zone wall guys off type player to compliment, you know, with, with bringing over Elijah Moore and having Amari Cooper, like that was the piece that they were missing. So it's kind of like a flavor. It was really like a flavor draft. You know, it's like the players are very similar graded. It's just, you know, what are you looking for? So looking at, you know, last year's uh, crop of rookies um, out of the, the players that people have on their radar, uh, yeah. maybe the rookie of the year kind of candidates. Um, do you see one, uh, that could take a step back because of the way the team set up this year or for any number of reasons. I mean, like, is it a Kenneth Walker? Like, he set the league on fire, um, but maybe he won't reach those heights every year. Like, is there a sophomore slump coming from anybody that you can identify? Well, I think, you know, you hit it on, hit on a good one because they added to the backfield. Gosh, they draft, they drafted two running backs yeah. who are going to, you know, get some work there with Charbonnet. And I think they got the kid from Georgia in the seventh to uh, McIntosh, but the, uh, and then bringing in Smith and Jigba is going to help their pass game. So the ball could just get distributed. I mean, exactly, even yeah. I, I love, I love Garrett Wilson. I mean, he's my top wideout last year. Obviously he's offensive rookie of the year. Um, but you know, Aaron comes in there and Aaron's favorite receiver is going to be whoever's open and whoever, wherever the progression takes him and having, you know, having Lazard, who we familiar with there, um, you know, that I think he likes Corey Davis. Um, so they, they're going to have, I think that'll be, you know, pretty evenly distributed there with the jets. Fantasy, uh, managers take, uh, take note. Uh, and then, and then also give me a breakout guy that maybe rookie year you were like, I know he's better than this. Uh, you know, some guys yeah. start slow. So give me a give me a breakout second year player. Uh, I think Kenny Pickett's going to have a good year. Oh uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, I like Kenny Pickett. I, he's got he's got a little something to him, yep. and I think they Andy and Omar majorly upgraded the offensive line, and they got and bringing even Darnell Washington's like a six offensive lineman. So yeah. they're going to run the ball a heck of a lot better. Najee will actually have some runway, you yeah. know. Uh, and so I think that's going to make Kenny's life easier. I think Pickens coming in there in the second year, Allen Robinson is going to, you know, I think he'll have a little bit of resurgence there fits what they do better than he did with the Rams. Um, so yeah, they've, they've got some, they've got some interesting pieces there. And I think that kid is one that I believe in. It was good to see Andy on TV. Uh, you know, he got a little FaceTime. Yeah. He got a little FaceTime. So it's so funny every year you see people, you're like, Oh, I forgot he's there. You know, uh, you know, Deuce uh, Staley's somewhere totally. He's in Carolina now with Frank. So uh, yeah. I love playing that game. Uh, all right. So give me uh, your best prediction for where Caleb Williams plays next year. Oh, man. Um, I'll say um, I'll say he's in Phoenix. I'll say he's with Arizona. They're going to be that bad. They're, they're pretty bad, dude. Yeah. Their roster's not very good. Yeah. You know, when you look at their roster and and, uh, and we'll see how long Kyler is going to be out. But this is going to be an interesting draft. You know, we're a long way away from it. And I haven't jumped in with both feet. But it, I've seen enough of, of Caleb and of Drake May to know this is a uh, if you end up with the first overall pick, you you know, there's there's only a handful of quarterbacks you're, you're going to hold on to versus going in that direction and shipping out the guy you already got. 
Yeah, well, I, I, I can't wait to see that guy play. So uh, we will uh, be talking plenty about him as uh, next year's draft comes along. But Daniel, Jeremiah, appreciate the time. Uh, you do a great job. Thanks for blessing us with some of your uh, your draft knowledge today, dude. Dude, we got to catch up again, man. I miss I miss seeing you. Yeah, and, uh, likewise, bro. That was a fun year. No, nah, we had a good time, buddy. Yep, um, yep. But let, yeah, let me know if you ever need anything. Look forward to catching up soon. Okay, bud. Take it yeah. easy. Talk right, soon. Later, guys. You know the uh, the win totals are out um, last night. It's the best time to do it. One in the morning in mm-hmm. bed. Uh, I put a couple bets in. Uh, some large ones actually, because I didn't see a ton that I like loved. Like usually, I'll do like five of them. There were two that I absolutely love. Any guesses? Oh dear. Um, give me uh, NFC or AFC. There's one AFC, one NFC. Okay. Um, I bet that you love the Steelers to go over. What are they at? Cause I, cause I, I, you know, the Steelers. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be pulling for. No, I bet they're in the same division as the Steelers. Ravens. The Baltimore Ravens. Yeah. Eight and a half. Yeah. Sitting at eight and a half. Yeah. Whatever it was. Uh, man, how could you not like the the Ravens? It's almost like I'm getting trick dicked by fucking Vegas right now. Thirty grand. No. Okay. Chill, chill. No, no, no. Um, but no, they are. Uh, they're going to have a better year. I mean, like Lamar is going to be motivated. Okay. I. Some people think somebody gets money, they're less motivated. I think he's going to be really motivated coming out of this year. All the doubts and. And he's got Zay Flowers, and there's talk that they could land Odell Beckham. I thought Zay Flowers. Yeah, exactly. Somebody <laughs> the live stream was like, "Where do you think Odell is going to play next year?" Uh, well, he's going to play some games in Baltimore at the very mm-hmm. least. Uh, Zay Flowers, I thought, was one of the – that pick was like, that makes perfect mm-hmm. sense. I mean, that was awesome. So, you know, he's going to have better weapons. Uh, you know, he's, he, he he got over this hurdle. I think he might be able to just play wide open. You know, I got my bag. Now I'll play wide open. Did it without an agent. Uh, then there's one more team in the NFC. Did you like the Rams under? I thought about the Rams under. I mean, it seems a seems a little high. They I might saw be sellers midseason. Yeah, I saw a video of Matt Stafford throwing a football in practice. Like, okay, is it an over or an under? It would be an under for me. I'm sorry. What's the one that you like a lot? Okay, it's an over. Okay, okay. It is in frame there. Of the, of the twenty-two <laughs> teams that are in yeah. frame. Yeah, you're close. Um. Over Detroit Lions. Okay, nine and a half. Yeah, I like that. And the odds aren't terrible either. Minus one twenty-two. And actually, if you look at the Rams' odds, uh, they're plus money if you if you bet uh, the over. The under. The under. It, they're plus money if you bet the under. So, um, anyways, those are my two bets. I looked really hard at New England. I mean, they're I think they're seven and a half. The thing about New England is, and this is kind of obvious. Their division, like how many games do you think they win in that division? Two? Stuff. That's probably their lowest season total since 2002. I'd have to check it, but... Maybe. I mean, it's 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 quite possible that they go over in the division. I'm not trying to put up any bulletin board material up there. You know I'm a buyer on the patch usually when people are down on them. I think they are going to be better. I'm excited about Bill O'Brien and Mac Jones, but that division is so tough. And then when you look out of division, you just got to do the math. They win two games in the division... They got to win like six games out of division. 
And, you know, like I'm counting six games that they could win, but you know how this this stuff goes. So I looked hard at the Patriots. I might pull the, the trigger on that at some point. But, um, yeah, Steelers are probably going to be a, another bet that I'm going to make. And, you know, I bet the Vikings in some capacity every year. Eight and a half? I don't know. I think they're ready to pack it in up there. I've Detroit's been nine and a half. Years. They're eight and two in their last ten. They're ready to keep that thing moving. Detroit. Detroit, yeah, exactly. And as a special treat at the end of today's show for you, we've got your voicemails. We went through the green light voicemail line. Everything that you guys left us, everything that you all left us after the NFL draft, all the rants and the excitements and everything. We picked out uh, some of our favorites. We strung them together here. Feels good to, to hear your voices. You know, usually we're just talking at a wall. So this kind of colors in the, uh, the listenership. So far, you guys are pretty creative people. With good takes. Keep cowling. What's the number, cowboy? 202-991-0723. Call in. Give us your uh, best 30-second take. So without further ado, here are a few of you all on the Greenlight Listener voicemail line. Hello! Chris, Chris. I feel good about the Eagles, baby. Getting Jalen Carter to pair up with Jordan Davis. That's a, that's a big Georgia Bulldog combo. That's a balanced breakfast. You heard. Hello. What's up, Green Light Pod? This is your boy, Joe Jansen, the diehard Chicago Bears fan. I am down in the basement in South Philly Point Breeze, the same basement I sat when the double doink happened and tore my heart out that I still haven't recovered from. Just wanted to congratulate <laughs> Jalen Carter. To the birds, the bears continue to gift Philly year after year after year. Um, he's a he's a straight player, man. I wanted him, and uh, congrats. <laughs> Another guy, Jalen Carter, man. He, he's is he, a, he is he the, he's a deadlock shoe in to, to ball out and uh, on a team that has a lot of loaded guys already. So, anyways. Chris, my wife and I took pictures of you at the men's with you at the men's warehouse back in must have been 2018 or 19. You were super nice to us. Uh, I still got that picture. My wife has always talked about how handsome you were. Um, anyways, salute to you guys. Love your stuff. Keep it rolling. Bear down, Chicago Bears. <laughs> Congrats on another gift. Hello. We back up in this bitch, baby. I'm at the link right now. It's on fire. It's already ready for August. The Jalen, the Jalen Howie is a madman. They keep letting him get away with it. They keep letting him get away with it, baby. We are so back. The Saints, thank you, New Orleans. You motherfuckers, let's go, birds. Hello. Lafayette, Louisiana. Hello. Man, what the fuck, Packers? You had Brian Branch right there, right there, and you trade the pick away to the in-conference, in-division Detroit Lions. What the hell are we doing here, people? I'm pissed off. We needed a safety. Adrian Amos is gone. Darnell Savage is blowing it. Follow the Jesse LaSalle Show on YouTube. Much love. Hello. 
Yo, dude, we just got the best player in the draft at nine. We're fucking going crazy here, man. Fucking go birds. Go birds. Go birds. Go birds. Go birds. Hello. Greenlight. How he did it a fucking again. That son of a bitch moved up one spot with the 10th pick and the 4th pick. And then went down to 30, sat strong, and got Nolan fucking Smith. God damn it. That dude is a son of a bitch. Um, huge Bear fan. Very happy with Darnell Wright. I think he might be one of the best right tackles, if not the best tackle for the Bears at that pick. Very stoked, but... It's very ironic that you guys post the, all the, the, the Howie smoke this morning on uh, TikTok and on the pod. And uh, that motherfucker always wins a trade. Y'all have a great day. Hello. <laughs> Dallas got snaked. I love it. Freaking cockroach losers. Yo, number 30. Nolan Smith. So we have him. Jordan Davis, Nicobe Dean, and Jalen Carter. We have to change our name to like the Philadelphia Eagle Dogs. That'd be cool. Eagle Dogs. When would it be like a fucking dog and eagle mixed? They have like fucking wings and those fucking talons. The eagle vision to go along with their fucking hearing. That'd be badass. It would be cool for them, too, because they can fly and just hover above you and you can rub their belly. You don't have to lay down and shit, but... If dogs had wings, like, you'd have to watch out for them pooping on you. (laughs) 